The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Let us humbly confess our sins unto Almighty God. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have heard and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. Spare thou those, O God, who confess their faults. Restore thou those who are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind, in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. The Almighty and merciful Lord grant you absolution and remission of all your sins, true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of his Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 144, beginning on page 519. Blessed be the Lord my strength, who teacheth my hands to war and my fingers to fight. My hope and my fortress, my castle and deliverer, my defender in whom I trust, who subdueth my people that is under me. Lord, what is man that thou hast such respect unto him, or the son of man that thou so regardest him? Man is like a thing of naught, his time passeth away like a shadow. Bow thy heavens, O Lord, and come down, touch the mountains and they shall smoke. Cast forth thy lightning, and tear them, shoot out thine arrows, and consume them. Send down thine hand from above, deliver me, and take me out of the great waters from the hand of strangers. Whose mouth talketh of vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of wickedness. I will sing a new song unto thee, O God, and sing praises unto thee upon a ten-stringed lute. Thou hast given victory unto kings, and hast delivered David thy servant from the peril of the sword. Save me and deliver me from the hand of the strangers, whose mouth talketh of vanity, and their right hand is a right hand of iniquity. That our sons may grow up as the young plants, and that our daughters may be as the polished corners of the temple. That our garners may be full in plenteousness with all manner of store and that our sheep may bring forth thousands and ten thousands in our field. 
that our oxen may be strong to labor, that there be no decay, no leading into captivity, and no complaining in our streets. Happy are the people that are in such a case. Yea, blessed are the people who have the Lord for their God. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 42nd chapter of the book of Job. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And so it was, after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, that the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is aroused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take for yourselves seven bulls and seven rams, go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you. For I will accept him, lest I deal with you according to your folly, because you have not spoken of me what is right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Tamanite and Bildad the Shuhite and Zophar the Namathite went and did as the Lord commanded them, for the Lord had accepted Job. And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then all his brothers, all his sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintances before came to him and ate good food with him in his house, and they consoled him and comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. Each one gave him a piece of silver and each a ring of gold. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemima, the name of the second Keziah, and the name of the third Karen Hapuk. And the in all the land were found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for four generations. So Job died, old and full of days. Here ends the first lesson. My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowliness of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed, for he that is mighty hath magnified me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him throughout all generations. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seat, and hath exalted the humble and meek. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He, remembering his mercy, hath hope in his servant Israel, as he promised to our forefathers Abraham and his seed forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the 19th chapter of the Gospel of St. Matthew. 
Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished these sayings, that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. And whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Then little children were brought to him, that he might put his hands on them and pray. But the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them, and departed from there. Now behold, one came and said to him, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is, God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go, sell what you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Here ends the second lesson. Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and to be the glory of thy people Israel. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, 
who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O Lord, save the state. And mercifully hear us when we call upon thee. And do thy ministers with righteousness. And make thy chosen people joyful. O Lord, save thy people. And bless thine inheritance. Give peace in our time, O Lord. For it is thou, Lord, only that makest us dwell in safety. O God, may clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O God, for as much as without thee we are not able to please thee, mercifully grant that thy Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, from whom all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works do proceed, give unto thy servants that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey thy commandments, and also that by thee, we being defended from the fear of our enemies, may pass our time in rest and quietness, through the merits of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Lighten our darkness, we beseech thee, O Lord, and by thy great mercy defend us from all perils and dangers of this night, for the love of thy only Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Good evening, all. A couple of thoughts about our lessons for tonight, beginning in Psalm 144. We start there um, with, you know, a kind of perplexing combination of images in that um, in that poem, where you have uh, the, the the psalm kind of launches into the beginning about the Lord teaching our hands to fight and our fingers to war, and then immediately pivots into a, a meditation on the 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 ultimate kind of vanity of human effort and human life um, in comparison with God. Uh, God being, um, you know, seen as ultimately substantial and humanity being, by contrast with God, um, a thing of, of, you know, of little substance and of vapor. Um, and this is a recurring, you know, theme in the wisdom tradition of, of looking at, you know, what is what sometimes purports to be the grandeur of humanity and then seeing seeing it as um, as vaporous and, and transient and something that comes and goes with relative ease. Um, even for even if in its moment it seems to loom very largely, very powerfully, and very substantially, um, and that's significant because by the end of this we have um, a, a movement. You know, the, the meditation on this first verse, which is the Lord teaching our hands to fight um, and teaching them to war, is ultimately uh, you know resolved into this you know work of self surrender that the psalmist leads those who participate in the psalm to follow him in. Um, and it resolves itself into a prayer of petition and of acknowledgement that God's ways are ultimately, um, you know, that are they're higher and they're they're also not not just you know in the, in this way you know out of the out of sight and you know beyond all comprehension, but rather they are of a greater substance um, and they actually can move with word and power to do the thing that they accomplish. Whereas 
the you know the works of, of people are are flimsy and they often divert or um, prove not to, prove not to have enough um, potency to carry out the end that they they would um, and these broken ends that humans you know make for themselves and then fail to pursue and to and to consummate um, these account for a lot of the misery of human of human beings and um, by contrast um, that work of self surrender and petition before the Lord is what um, reintegrates us in, in the world of God's good creation that ultimately is a, uh, you know, puts us back in, in touch with life again and makes us more substantial than we can be by ourselves, but then also um, forbids us from a way of living in that world that, um, that in which we try to use that power to, to, you know, to again, pursue those broken ends. God will never empower an end um, that is contrary to his good purpose for things. Um, and this is, uh, you know, and so when we see these things fall, um, it is an indicator that they, 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 they were not, you know, of God to begin with. And, um, but sometimes that takes time, as we see in the book of Job. As we read the last chapter of Job tonight, um, much of the, the book of Job has been taken up in the voluminous words of Job's three friends. And to a much less extent, we have Job, um, and to an even much less extent, uh, we have the words of God himself. Um, which have occupied, uh, you know, by contrast, Job's friends have spoken a lot more words than anyone else. And yet, in the end, it is revealed that they have spoken falsely. They've, they've spoken wrongly. Um, and that even if some of the things they drew upon were true things, the way that they put them together, the pieces together, and the way that they then marshaled those against Job and his forbearance um, to try and break down his forbearance and to and and you know and lead him in a direction that would be you know sort of rationalized and sensible to them um, this was proven to be wrong god judges them for that and requires them to go and petition job to pray for them and offer sacrifice for them um, which we again draws back to the beginning of the book where we saw job doing that for his own children continuously lest they secretly or mis you know mistakenly sin um, Job is is always seen throughout the book as a mediator at the beginning and the end of this, um, who is a who's a kind of priestly figure on behalf of his own family, and then he becomes one for these friends as well um, that had been, you know, as God you know deems it, his adversaries through the whole of the book. Um, but you know, but I think that there's something telling in that. You know, you have Job's friends who had spilled a lot of ink, so to speak, on on trying to to make to, to, to square the circle here, to to account for something inscrutable um, when really what the, what was called upon throughout the book was Job was set by Job's example, which was that continual um, you know honesty and prayerful honesty with God, but then also a continual um, sort of assenting to self-surrender. It's an assent to God saying, um, you know, I don't understand what you're doing here. Nevertheless, I'm going to entrust myself to your justice alone. Um, and I expect you to come and to judge, um, to judge, you know, judge this matter rightly. Um, and he forbears through, you know, the great uh, kind of trials, which are the initial afflictions he suffers, but then through the um, the kind of, you know, marshalling of a theological tidal wave against him by these three friends. And I think, you know, it's significant to read in Job that that is part of his affliction. That's part of Job's triumph is that for much of this book, after the initial calamity of his life, Job is required to sit patiently and to respond tactfully um, to a bunch of, of, of misargumentation 
um, to a, a lot of false claims being made about God um, and, and refusing to assent to them um, while at the same time um, not, you know, enter, not sinning himself and not um, shutting the conversation down. Uh, he persists and forbears. He doesn't, uh, he rebukes when it is appropriate, uh, but he doesn't overextend in the same way that his friends do. Um, and it's significant to, uh, and I think, you know, maybe even a source of comfort to me at least, um, to consider that the, um, the kind of indelicate attempts um, that we sometimes um, inflict on each other to explain the hard things we're going through can, uh, you know, be seen in the in scriptures as as much of the trial of going through them as um, and, and and the you know the pain we can the feel that I have felt before when someone will try to explain away you know the the painful circumstances that I am in by you know putting a nice kind of theological bow on top of it. Um, it is it is a good thing to see that in the wisdom of God that's seen as part of the affliction and that has to be endured and that's an affliction to be you know endured but it's it's uh, it's not seen as a noble thing in the scriptures to do that and again we return that Job's um, wisdom is proven in his forbearance and in his willingness to assent and to offer himself continually to God's good judgment and to you know, be concerned about how he is viewed in God's eyes, even though that revelation doesn't come till very late in the game. Um, he nevertheless understands and retains the understanding throughout and, become, and is undistracted from the fact that it is what God thinks of him alone that matters. Um, and that, that comes, that comes to, to bear in the, in the, you know, in the judgments that Jesus offers in our second lesson tonight, which is, you know, he's, he's multiple, you know, dense passages in this chapter, but the overarching arc of it is that Jesus is seated as the true judge who assesses the heart of everybody that comes to him in this chapter. That in the first bit, he judges the hearts of the hard hearts of the Pharisees who have made a kind of legalistic game out of something God from the beginning made to be beautiful, whole, and permanent. Um, they have made insubstantial by their own traditions what God in the, in the beginning made beautiful and whole. Um, and he judges that and says from the beginning, and this is not so, and it will not be so in the kingdom. Then he moves on to those who have a hard a hard heart against the children that come to him. They don't see them correctly, but he sees them correctly, and he blesses them um, where others would send them away. In the third episode, he, he addresses the uh, the rich young ruler who comes, who has been innocent under the law. And Jesus says to be perfect, uh, you there's a trial for you. Uh, the trial that you must overcome and persevere through is the trial of letting go of this thing that you that you love too much. Um, and the man goes away very, very sorrowful because even though he had been innocent under the law, that innocence had not touched this uh, this in, inordinate attachment that he was. But Jesus, seeing him as he really was, saw that that's exactly what he needed. And then finally, of course, you have Jesus speaking to the disciples and revealing to them the judgment that awaits for all those who, like Job, surrender and assent and give and hold their life with an open hand before God. Um, because in doing so, they, they enter again that world where they seek their good from God, they seek their provision from God, and, and in the end, God faithfully delivers. God faithfully rewards those who offer their lives to him with an undivided heart. And so as we, as we see, see that tonight, as we close up our work week, may that be our meditation in approaching, you know, the Lord's day on Sunday, 
um, that every week we get the opportunity to approach the altar again with an open gift of our life. Um, and as we've seen in the scriptures tonight, that does not go unrewarded. And even if for a season it seems to be a question of why, what is the point of this? And is this real? Um, in the end, it surely will be shown to be real and it surely will be rewarded. And so may we receive the grace to do so again tonight. We'll close tonight with our prayer for all, uh, with our general intercession on page 590. Let us pray. Accept, O Lord, our intercessions for all mankind. Let the light of thy gospel shine upon all nations, and may as many as have received it live as becomes it. Be gracious unto thy church, and grant that every member of the same in his vocation and ministry may serve thee faithfully. Bless all in authority over us, and so rule their hearts and strengthen their hands, that they may punish wickedness and vice, and maintain thy true religion and virtue. Send down thy blessings, temporal and spiritual, upon all our relations, friends, and neighbors. Reward all who have done us good, and pardon all those who have done or wish us evil, and give them repentance and better minds. Be merciful to all who are in any trouble. And do thou, the God of pity, administer to them according to their several necessities, for his sake who went about doing good, thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Thank you all so much for being here tonight, and thanks to Aaliyah, my co-leader tonight. Hope you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Thank you, Father Hayden. Thank you, Aaliyah. <laughs> thanks, Aaliyah. Good night, everybody. Good night. Yeah, good night. Have a good evening.